We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's going on? It's the Bronx Pinstripe Show. It's a big episode for us. Number 50, 5-0. Scott, this is uh, a little bit of a milestone for us. End of the year, number 50. Time went by fast. It did go by fast, and I, I want to I commend you and tap my, or pat myself on the back, too, for sticking with it every single week since spring training. Right, We were doing this before the season even started, and we continued through every single week, so I'm excited, uh, you know, uh, I want to thank all the all the fans and all the people who have listened and sent in voicemails and tweets and mailbags and all that stuff. The show is just so much better when people contribute. So really, thank you. And yeah, 50 is exciting because, you know, I don't think you and I have any plans on on stopping. And you know, I think the next one's going to be 100, and then and then on and on. So the Yankees gave us a nice 50th present too, which was which is a uh, very nice of them. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you, Happy Hanukkah to me, Araldus Chapman. Unless you've been living under a rock for the past 12 hours, Araldus Chapman is now a Yankee. And finally, the Yankees make a big splash 
before we record an episode instead of like 12 hours after, which seems to happen every single time. Yeah, this is fresh. I mean, this happened within the last hour and a half uh, is when the news came out So of us recording. And so now we have some fresh information to, to just talk about and to, to really dive into. And I know we're going to dive all into Araldus Chapman and how it affects the New York Yankees in 2016. So, yeah, I'm pumped up on the field for, for what this guy's going to bring to the team. I was scratching my head all day trying to come up with topics for, the, for today's show <laughs> because the Yankees have done nothing since the Starling Castro trade. And there's been no news over the holidays, been very quiet, really across all of MLB. And I was, you know, trying to think of, okay, what are the top 10 moments from the past season? I was trying to pull highlights and all that stuff. And then a half hour before we're set to record, I see Jack Curry tweets and I'm like, all right, guess I know what we're talking about now. So definite, definite big news. And we're going to get into all of that coming up. Uh, That'll be the bulk of the episode. But we do have some other stuff to talk about. And this... This report from Al Jazeera about the HGH scandal kind of relates to MLB, even though the big name is Peyton Manning. But this came out of nowhere, first of all, because, you know, who goes to Al Al Jazeera for sports news? And they just sort of dropped this on everybody out of nowhere, like a day after Christmas kind of kind of caught me by surprise. Yeah, definitely caught me by surprise. And apparently they had a. Uh, an English hurdler that was the guy that went undercover and got video uh, video of, uh, I guess, an intern working at the AIDS clinic uh, in, in Indiana to talk about how he or how they supplied HGH and other hormones to uh, Peyton Manning. And then the, the baseball players that were mentioned were Taylor Teagarden, Howard and Ryan Zimmerman, or Ryan Howard and Ryan Zimmerman. So yeah. nobody on the Yankees were mentioned, uh, thankfully. Thank you, thankfully. <laughs> That have come out yet, or you know, who knows what what comes of this. Not to mention the the poor the report is extremely suspect at this point. Yeah, I don't think you know. I don't think it's got a, a lot of legs. Besides, I mean, who knows? The guy who said all this stuff is recanting his statement, which I don't really understand. How do you recant something you literally said on video? Like, oh, I didn't mean it. I don't know. He's. I guess he said it was like a ruse. At, you know, to the well. I don't really know much about this, honestly. I just got back from uh, from the Christmas stuff, and I literally walked in the door 20 minutes ago, and I haven't had a chance to watch the video, so, so you'll I have watched, to speak on it more. Yeah, I watched the Peyton Manning part because that was the part I was really interested in, but uh, I agree with you. How do you how do you take back a statement and right after you said it on video? And it kind of almost seems like he was alluding to the fact that this was a – uh, a mockumentary almost instead of a documentary, which right. then totally discredits the entire report. But Al Jazeera reporting on sporting scandals is like if Sports Illustrated was going to go report on like politics or something that was happening in the Middle East. Like, well, and that's what's so weird. They sent a guy in for this report. Like they actually went looking for this report. They must have gotten some information about what was going on at this place. And they had a guy who apparently the guy who went in is pretty sketchy himself. That went in and got this information. So I don't know. And if you watch the video, it's definitely a little shady because it's all subtitled. You can hear his voice, but it's kind of almost muffled. And you never really, at least in the part I saw, I could be, you know, saying wrong information here because I, I, full disclosure, did not watch the entire video. But you don't see his face. You just see like a shadow. You know how they do that in videos? 
Yeah, well, I mean, the guy, I think, admitted that he said it, but he's recanting that he said it. So, and he was definitely reading a script from a lawyer. I mean, there was no doubt about that. It was really awkward and strange, and he just put up this, like, really, like, strange YouTube video or where, wherever he did it and, and just recanted his statement. I mean, it was all pre-written by a lawyer, you know, no doubt about it. So, I don't know. The whole thing is very strange. Obviously, everybody denies it wholeheartedly. They came on the, uh, the, the offensive, uh, you know, being defensive, but on the offensive against the people who did it immediately. How Howard and Zimmerman have the same have the same attorney representing them. I think they, they may have the same agent. So they they automatically recanted it, uh, or they said that it was no good. Um, and then Peyton Manning is really going on the offensive, saying like this is just completely bogus. This makes no sense. Uh, he's a, and he's and he's he's going to be going after this guy big time. So yeah, we'll see hired, what happens. They might have screwed themselves if it's if it's completely bogus. Peyton hired Ari Fleischer, who was the former White House PR secretary, right. um, I believe. So that's definitely a a big move if you're innocent, I think. Johnny Cochran wasn't available? Yeah, it's like, I mean, if, you, if you're... I, if the glove doesn't fit, you yeah. must have quit. I believe if there's smoke, there's fire. That's and, what I, I believe, too. And Peyton hiring somebody like that kind of creates smoke. Right. But... Yeah, there's something... I mean, it, I guess it was it started in, when he was with the Colts. Uh, this is an Indiana when he was When he was injured in 2011, when he had that neck issue... Yeah, that's and, but, but the thing, was... here's the thing though. The problem with that, with like speculating about when it started and all that, if this thing is just like a mockumentary or whatever you called it, like a hoax type deal, I mean, obviously they're going to set it up so that all the facts are coincidental to where people are and it just makes sense. Like Ryan Howard and Ryan Zimmerman are two guys that get injured quite a bit. I mean, there's a lot of Taylor Teagard. Maybe they're like, oh, we, and we need to throw in a no name just so it's believable, you know, like that type of thing. I don't know. It's just, it's kind of. It's very, it's very strange. So I, I, I kind of reserve my opinion, uh, you know, going to the, to, the, to the side that it's actually true until I hear more information. Because right now it's just a bunch of nonsense. But I do agree with you. Usually in these types of occasions where there is smoke, there is fire. Whether it's a big fire or a small fire, there's usually something. Do you care if Peyton Manning used HGH? Nope, it's football. They all use it now. They just started the trend. Isn't it so hypocritical that Completely. people do not give a crap if it's football? Guys get suspended all the time for games, and it's almost like a joke. Like, oh, yeah, he used Adderall. That's the big thing. It's like he got suspended. He tested positive for Adderall. When it wasn't, it was steroids or, or some form of PEDs. And people just brush it off. He comes back, and it's like, oh, good to have that guy back. Yeah, no doubt. Well, it's it's not that I I, I don't care that it is. Or I'm 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 kind of speaking like nobody will care, even oh, if it don't. is. But yeah. you know now, but now 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 he's set himself apart. Now he's taken a hard line stance and saying he didn't. He's gone the A Rod route and completely denied it. So if it actually does become true, then the, the fact that it was an HGH and a performance enhancing drug at that point won't matter. It will matter that he lied and and you know went that route. So I think that is something to to keep an eye on because. If it does come out, you know, it won't be as much as the cheating thing, but it will be all about him saying, no, I didn't do what he did. And if you, if a guy gets caught for baseball, it's like they're pissing on the legacy of baseball. And it's right. just it's just so different, as we all know. I do think, though, if Peyton Manning had been playing the last month and a half, this would be maybe a bigger story even than it is. People might care a little bit more because right now Peyton Manning's almost out of sight, out of mind. He's on the sidelines. Yeah. So people don't really care as much. It's so it's so quick how people stop caring. Well, and I feel like that's why these guys had to release it at such a weird time because they realized that he's probably not going to come back. And shoot, they may not even make the playoffs. I mean, if if things go a certain way, they may not make the playoffs. And then it's really a non-story. So I feel like they had to get it out 
And uh, yeah, they they definitely missed their opportunity for for the limelight. But I don't know. These guys, we'll see, man. It just sounds very sketchy. There's a lot of sketchy things going on with this. If this was Tom Brady, it would burn down Sports Center. Oh God, it would have been awesome if that was Tom Brady. It would have been so much better if it was Tom. But Brady. wouldn't wouldn't it? I mean, we we're still talking about Deflate Gate, and it happened a year ago. Yeah. No, I mean that's the thing. If this was a hoax, why didn't they go after Tom Brady? It would have been so much better. Tom Brady came and came to support his boy Peyton. He said, "I fully support Peyton and believe what he said." Of course he does. Of course he does. Yeah. So I mean, we'll see what happens, man. But um, it's just another one of those things. I mean, it, people are, are I feel like coming up with they're trying to get their name in the light. I mean, Al Jazeera coming up with the sports report, like you were saying, it's not their thing. So why are they doing this? They're trying to they're trying to get people to to know who they are. Not unlike Steve Harvey. Let's say the, the wrong name. So if this is just a bunch of nonsense and people, you know, getting clicks, then it's working for them. But let me we'll also see. say about that video is that the woman who was narrating it had the most annoying ear piercing voice. And it almost made the five minutes I watched unwatchable. Yeah, I'm going to check it out later. So uh, I, I don't know the voice. We'll, we'll see. You, uh, the, Have the a few drinks before you watch it or else you're not going to be able to tolerate it. OK, got it. <laughs> Um, all right. So we do, we definitely wanted to get that covered because it is one of the biggest stories going on in sports right now. And what about, what are we going to talk about next? I was, I was going to segue to the, to the Jets Patriots game. I wasn't oh. going to let Araldus Chapman get me off the hook for that. Don't worry. Okay, good. And I want to talk about Chapman. So we'll make this just short and sweet. The Jets had to win uh, and they came out and they won the game. They're playing very good football. Their defense is playing well. Uh, I understand that the Patriots had a lot of injuries and so forth and so on. No, but they didn't have a lot of injuries. They had all of the injuries. Fine, whatever. The the Jets came in and played a uh, – Fitzpatrick played almost a flawless game. Um, I'm not really going to put that fumble on him uh, just because, I mean, it, that happens. It wasn't really like a bad play on his part. Uh, but, I mean, the dude's playing out of his mind. The the receivers are playing out of their minds. The whole, the whole team's just playing really well. And now the Jets control their destiny. It was awesome. I was uh, I was hanging out with uh, one of my good friends uh, in Freehold, New Jersey, watching the game, and it was just so much fun. So that was that was I had a blast with that. I sent you a picture of a T-shirt that my buddy gave me before the game, and I was like, dude, I cannot take this picture until after the game. And it was the it was he's he's like, oh, I, this, the shirt doesn't fit me anymore. Uh, my buddy Jim, he's like, I I couldn't throw it away, so I'm giving it to you. And it's a picture of a toilet, and it says Tom Brady sits to pee. And I thought it was hilarious, so I had to. I you're like you're, you're like one of these little girl Red Sox fans who who um who would wear those A Rod and Jeter shirts that says like oh uh, Jeter sucks A Rod swallows or something. You're yeah, no, like, I won't. You're, you're, I won't wear the shirt. I just think it's funny. It was perfect timing. Just uh, rubbing the, the salt in a wound, a fresh wound. The Patriots lost an OT on a weird, bizarre coin flip with all the injuries, and then you send me that little text just to, <laughs> just to needle me. Yeah, just I had to. It was awesome. It was great. It was perfect. Well, revenge is going to be sweet. We have to take our punches when we have them as Jets fans. We have to. We have to swing. If there's an opening, we got to swing because we don't know when that opportunity is going to come again. Well, revenge will be sweet when the Jets come into Foxborough, divisional round of the playoffs in the. Patriots oh, I hope it happens. I really do. I, I love those games, so I do hope it happens. So I do hope it happens too because it'll be one hell of a game. I, I if you remember. I give you shit, but I did say the Jets were legit way back in October. Right. I've, I've never you said... also you also did not believe what Fitzpatrick would be I didn't. this but... way, and I had full but... faith in Fitzpatrick. No, you did. No one did. Yes, I did because of the Chan Gailey marriage. Now, I mean, look, he's exceeding expectations. Don't get me wrong. I didn't see this, but I, I knew he was going to be a, a, a good, probably a, 
the the best quarterback we've had in a long time. So okay, um, well, okay. <laughs> that's not like saying Favre. anything. But I mean, whatever. I, my my point is, him and Shane Gailey need to just stay together until they both retire. And it's just a, a perfect marriage. It doesn't happen very often. To stay together. Just just stick with what, what what's working. So I'm excited. I'm excited about that. I'm excited about Chapman. Enough Jets. Let's talk Yankees baseball, baby. All right. Well, as I said at the beginning, the Yankees made it, it just probably. I mean, Castro was a huge trade. This is an even bigger trade. We all know Araldis Chapman has been on the trade block for the Reds since pretty much the All-Star break. Um, He was not traded last year. They were asking way too much for him. And then the price definitely dropped over the offseason, and the Dodgers had a trade in the works for him, and they were not going to give up any of their top prospects. But then the trade fell through because of the whole um, domestic abuse situation with Chapman, and we're going to talk about that. But... You're thinking like, wow, the, the the value of Chapman really came down if the Dodgers were going to get him without giving up their three big prospects. And now you look at what the Yankees just gave up. They gave up four minor leaguers. Caleb Cotham, who we saw a couple times with the team last year. He's a right-handed pitcher. Nothing really to write home about. He was part of the Scranton relief bus. Yeah. Gave up uh, Rookie Davis, who's a pitcher, who was the sixth overall prospect in the Yankee system, according to Baseball America. We actually talked about him last week. He's the best player they gave up, but still, not one of their big guys. They also gave up Eric uh, Jalejo, I'm probably butchering his last name, who's an infielder, and Tony Renata, who's also an infielder, who we just found out before the show the Yankees got from the Nationals in the David Carpenter trade. So, four minor leaguers that we probably were not even going to see in the Bronx in the next five years. Yeah, I mean, some of the pitchers, what we might have seen in in relief spot uh, occasionally, similar to what we did last year. I think um, uh, Eric Jagiello was one of the guys who, he was a high high draft pick, but he is, uh, he he, he got hurt, wasn't really the same after his injury, and, uh, you know, really has – he can hit. He's one of those guys that they, they really had promise for his bat. Um, and then Tony Renda was a guy that we got for the – you know, David Carpenter. It was a, he was a guy that – another second-base prospect we know. We've talked about, you know, over the past few episodes how deep the Yankees are up the middle with their minor league system. And then now with the, with the, with the Castro trade, how young they are at the major league level. So there wasn't a spot for him. Um, so, yeah, look – it's for what we we're talking baseball on the field. I don't I don't know as much about the Chapman domestic abuse thing. I really hope we're not getting a bad guy because that to me, like personally, I, I'm really getting fed up with the bad guys yeah. in sports. It's and impossible all that stuff. to root for a guy that's a bad dude, right? Especially one who who you know hits women. Like I don't have I have zero zero tolerance for that. It's just something that's that's just completely against everything I, I stand for, and. So I, 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 I'm kind of holding my reservations for that, and I, I, don't, I don't know a lot about that situation. Um, so I'm not going to really comment on it too much. I'm just going to really talk about baseball today. But, you know, I hope he's not a bad guy. And on the baseball field, look, this is a dude who throws 100, 100 miles an hour. He has a ridiculous— 100 miles an hour is his average fastball. We're not yeah, talking got... about a guy who can reach 100. We're talking about right. a guy who averages 100. Yeah, and, and his K, uh, not, uh, his strikeout to, to um, inning ratio is, I think, the highest, if not one of the highest in the major leagues. It's ridiculous. Uh, the dude's electric. He's, he's absolutely electric. And it, it, it makes our bullpen scary. It makes our bullpen scary good. It, it totally does. And um, so, 
you're talking about how it makes the bullpen scary good. Batansis Miller Chapman. That's a three-headed monster better than anything we've seen since I've been watching baseball. That's not hyperbole. I can't think of a better bullpen. The Yankees had a, a nasty bullpen in the 90s when they had Jeff Nelson, Mike Stanton, Rivera, and Wetland. But this blows that out of the water. All three of these guys throw hard. They strike people out. Two of them are lefties, but they can get out lefties and righties. So, like you said, on field, this makes the Yankees team way, way, way better. Especially because we know how weak the rotation is. Um, Weak in the sense that they don't go more than six innings. So now you've just made it a six-inning game with three three of these guys. Um, I know Cashman, after the trade went down, said he already spoke to Miller. And it assured him that the Yankees are planning to keep Miller. So... Got to take Cashman's word for that at this point, right? Yeah, it sounds like he made he reached out, made a personal phone call, said that he was not being moved, and they are looking to just get a filthy bullpen. I mean, that's that's the strategy right now. They know that there is some uncertainty in the rotation. He uh, Cashman has said that the rotation there's no room for any more starting pitchers. Which they I have the rotation, with. right? But they they do have a. They have a they have a number of guys. Uh, they just don't they don't know how they're going to fit in or, or what they're going to get. Um, obviously, CC Sabathia is a question mark. Although he you know looks like he's he's you know putting the alcohol problems behind him um, and that he's like extremely far ahead. Even from what he's saying, he he feels like he's going to be coming in uh, you know and very ready to go uh, for next year. But again, time will tell with that. Uh, and then there's guys coming back from injury, so there's a lot of there's definitely a lot of question marks. Um, but when you add another uh, another dominant guy in the end of your bullpen, and we're also getting um, guys coming off injury. Jacob Lindgren's another guy who was supposed to be one of the more effective uh, relievers coming out of our system and a guy that's going to be on the team for a long time. We're sliding him back in to the bullpen as well. And, I mean, that's our lefties right there. Those are We have a, a, significant, a, civic, a significant amount of lefties in the bullpen Don't forget that, about that Shreve can be very too. effective. Yeah, so... So well, this is this is a, this is a big move for the construction of the team. I saw Joel Sherman tweet that Cashman said, you know, the price just came too low on Cashman. We couldn't on um, Chapman. We couldn't say no. And yeah, I mean, the Reds sold low on him. Definitely, we thought going into the offseason that he would get the biggest haul of at least prospects or major league talent or a combination of both on all the relief market. We saw what the Red Sox gave up for Kimbrell. It's a lot better than what the Yankees just gave up for Chapman. Right. And I know Kimbrell's locked up for longer than Chapman, but just apples to apples, who's a better pitcher? Chapman's a better pitcher. I don't even think that's a question. Yeah, I mean, the guy's got dominant, dominant stuff. I mean, it's it's uh, it's once once in a, a a decade, two decades stuff. I mean, it's ridiculous. He's got, I mean, yes, we know he throws as, as hard as he does, but he's effective with it too. I mean, there, he throws strikes. There's guys who can throw real hard and, and are not around the bowl, around, not around the plate, but he's not one of them. He's a guy who, who can pitch and throw hard. So, you know, he's, um, he's definitely a talent. And, and again, I just really hope, uh, uh, I don't know the details about the domestic abuse thing. I just hope he's not a bad guy. I mean, it kind of sounds like he's, 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 there's a little bit of bad guy in him. But. Yeah, so why do you think the price came down on him so much? Do you think it's maybe that um, the Reds just realized that people are afraid because of the the whole suspension looming? And like you said, he might be a bad guy. We're not going to give up a ton of prospects for a guy who might be bad. Yeah, and maybe they just maybe they know more than a lot of other people do and they wanted to get rid of him and they didn't want the headache of that. So they were going to get what they could. Uh, so... 
I don't know. I, you know, there's so many unknowns with his character at this point that I just I don't know a lot about him as a person, um, and I really don't know about a lot about what what happened with the domestic abuse. I, I don't remember the details. No one really knows because it, there was a report filed by I believe his fiance, and that's really it. There's no video. There's no um, you know. I mean, I don't need a video or an audio for, for I don't me to either. say that a guy, I, you know, you have to take the woman's word, yes, right? Yes, I'm not saying he didn't do it. But what I'm saying is, like, we saw with Ray Rice him hitting his fiance in the elevator. That That's cut and dry, black and white. It's there. I just saw it. We didn't. We don't have that with Chapman. So we don't know exactly what happened. Yes, we, we know what his fiance is saying, but that might be 90% of the truth. Or you, But you know what I'm saying? So we yeah. don't know exactly the details of the case. But... MLB in August instituted a new domestic violence policy right. where they're not going to tolerate it, obviously, much like the NFL doesn't tolerate it or any other organization doesn't tolerate it. But Rob Manfred has the ability to suspend a guy however he feels necessary. We also know that um, Roger Goodell also has that same power. And we saw him royally screw up with the Ray Rice thing where he suspended him two games at first. And then he had to suspend suspend him more games because he saw the video. So Manfred has not made a decision yet on how long he's going to be suspended. Everything I've read has been between 5 and 15 games, which is between 1 and 2 weeks of the season. That's probably what he's going to get, but he could get more. He could get 30. He could get 40 or 50 games. Um, one thing that I think is interesting, if he gets 45 or more games, that cuts his uh, service time by enough where he's no longer a free agent to start the 2017 season. He would be a free agent a year later, which would actually give the Yankees an extra year of him. I'm not saying I want him to be suspended for 45 games, but it's kind of a, a little wrench in the whole thing that you got to think about. Yeah. If we're talking about baseball on the field, absolutely. If, if they, if they do, um, you know, suspend him and it's, it is past that. And, you know, look, one of the things that we have to think about too, is the, you know, this, there is no, there's no other case for, for this because it is new. So, I mean, Manford could, could come out of the gate with something extremely severe to say, Hey, zero tolerance. I, I could absolutely see that happening in today's age with all the things that are going on in the NFL, which I wouldn't blame him one bit for. Right. Absolutely. I wouldn't either. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of looking up as we're talking as well, a New York Post article about uh, Chapman and, and kind of the situation. I feel like we should talk about it just so we can get all the information out there. But um, so this is a, from Yahoo Sports. I'm reading a, a New York Post article saying uh, Yahoo Sports reported Chapman's girlfriend told police he choked her and pushed her against a wall during an argument at the Miami home area in October. Chapman allegedly also fired eight shots in his garage following the dispute. So there were no charges, there were no arrests made, um, and apparently it stemmed from something he found on her phone. So that's what that's what the reports are, um, and and yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, I guess he's got he's he's inv- he's got guns. He's shooting guns, and he's he apparently choked. He allegedly choked his girlfriend at the time. So, uh, and, Listen, and she I'm, ran I'm, and hit. That doesn't make me feel good. No, it doesn't. It doesn't make me feel good either. Um, so. I, you know, the jury's out with this guy as far as who he is and how he's going to affect, affect the team because of the off-field stuff. I mean, it, it could, could, could completely just, you know, ruin everything, uh, my excitement for him. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll see how that plays out. But on the field, again, let's get back to on the field and how it affects it. If if this stuff is, is you know, not affecting what he does on the field uh, and, and it's, he's not out a long time and it just turns out maybe there's a misunderstanding or whatever. But he is effective on the field. And if he is in the back of the bullpen, you know, however Girardi wants to do it, whether it's Miller 
um, you know, going sliding back into an eighth inning role where he did in Baltimore uh, or in Boston or, you know, and then Chapman takes over the closer role or Chapman goes to the eighth inning because Chapman's done that as well. There's a lot of things that he can do. And maybe he comes out and just says, you know, we're, we're not really saying who the who the closer is. And it's a closer by committee because he knows all three guys can do it. So he's so, got a lot of flexibility. Uh, that, if I were Girardi, that's what I would do. I would say in spring training, the closer job is up for grabs. Whoever pitches the best in spring training and who's throwing the best out of the bullpen, he'll get the closer job to start the season. With all and things- then obviously if Chapman has a suspension, he's not going to be the closer. He right. will get slotted into the bullpen uh, in the 7th or 8th inning. But if with all things being equal, I would probably give it to Miller to start the season because he did it last year and had an awesome season. Right. So you gotta, I- you've got to say, okay, you know, Miller, you didn't do anything to lose the job, so you're going to keep the job as long as you can. And we saw how Miller and Batances fed off each other last year. Their right. dynamic is clearly good. They've got a good relationship. There's no sort of jealousy there. You know, you, you, did you see what Papelbon did to the Nationals bullpen when he came in? He ruined it because he's a jackass. I don't see that. And it happened Batances. immediately too. I it mean, did. he couldn't contain his, 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 uh, he couldn't contain his personality and his how douchery. it affects things. Yeah. It didn't happen with Miller and Batances. I really am really hoping it doesn't happen with Chapman. Yeah, and you know, I guess time will tell with that. I don't know. I wish I knew more about him at this moment, but again, this just happened. I haven't really done as much homework as I need to on the on the guy himself and how he conducts himself in the bull or in the clubhouse as well. Like, is he a t- is he a good teammate? I, I don't know. Um, so I haven't but, heard anything negative. Yeah, I haven't heard anything so negative. That, about him. I mean, if you don't hear anything negative, that usually means he's fine. Right, and that's a positive thing. You know, he's. Uh, and then you know another another thing to look at is is he gonna be able to handle the new york media because the new york media is going to be coming at him with all these stuff things off the field as well and is that going to affect him in a negative light on the field and you know how there's a lot of things that can that can play into this with this that's guy that's a great point that's why he's he's best off taking his medicine right okay i guess to say he gets suspended for 15 games man up go in front of the media have a press conference and say i i'm i was wrong I'm never going to, you know, my actions were wrong. I'm taking full responsibility. I'm working on getting better as a person. That's the only way you can tackle this sort of situation, especially with the New York media. If he runs and hides or or continues to deny it or whatever or or um or goes, you know, gets even more aggressive, then he's obviously just going to crumble and he'll fail. Well, and especially with the amount of attention domestic abuse has gotten in the world of sports over the past, you know, two years, uh, it's just, it's been just negative story after negative story. And these guys just, you know, not treating women well. And, and it's, it's appalling in all honesty, just these guys in the, in the limelight doing this stuff. Um, and you know, how he's going to handle it, how he, how he acts as a, as a man, um, is really going to tell a, a lot about him. I, the, I think the, 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 the fan base, the United States, the people who, who watch, like everybody is a is a we're a forgiving nation. Unless if, if you own up to things and you and you are contrite and you act like you know you made a mistake and um, you know you move forward, you know doing things well. I mean we've seen that with with like Michael Vick and how he went out and was a you know started talking in um, you know about you know treating dogs well and all that stuff. And he actually did do well for his reputation. Um, you know we've seen a lot of guys kind of go the right way and and i think people while they won't forget uh, they can forgive uh, to an extent so we'll see how he handles himself it, it, you know these next these his next moves are big moves for him people will forgive him if two things happen number one he needs to, to man up and take responsibility for his action like we just talked about 
but he also needs to perform on the field. Absolutely. Because I'm going to use two two cases. Number one is Greg Hardy, who everybody hates and thinks is a, is a scum of a guy, which he is, because he, is. he really has shown no remorse for the actions that he did with Carolina, the whole gun situation with his girlfriend. But he's performing on the field, but people still think he's a jackass. On the flip side, Ray Rice has been remorseful. He's apologized a million times, said he's going to counseling, all that stuff. But he's not even on the field because he's not good enough to play football anymore. So you need to be good and also remorseful in order for people to forgive you. So if Chapman is both of those things, I think people will forgive him. And while this is not a a direct apples-to-apples comparison, obviously, because they're two very different scenarios, but we saw it last year with Alex Rodriguez. Alex Rodriguez, in the public eye, was uh, a villain. I mean, he was a guy that nobody trusted. He was a guy that that had lied multiple times. And the amazing turnaround that he had last year, the eroticence, as you call it, was, you know— Still trying to get that trending. (laughs) <laughs> was was uh, was pretty unbelievable because you know for two reasons obviously the guy seemed humbled he he kind of took his medicine finally and he performed on the field and when those things happen obviously the New York market if you're if you're on the on the field performing that always helps your yourself but you have to conduct yourself well off the field and with the media you got to be open like you, you you can't be a guy who's hiding from the media and dodging questions because they will eat you alive you need to be uh, you need to be out in the open and you need to address it head-on like a man and 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 and, and just tackle this thing so we'll see I think the the next move for Chapman and and how this thing plays out is gonna mean uh, a lot for for his you know, his uh, his career in pinstripes. Guys like A-Rod and CeCe, who have both had off-field issues, not comparing them to domestic violence, but their off-field issues, can really mentor a guy like Chapman and how to deal with them. So, I mean, both of those are veteran leaders, so hopefully they can, they can sit down with them and say, hey, this is how you're going to have to deal with it here in New York. Yeah, unless he's just a bad guy and then a bad guy is a bad guy. Right. So that's and, why I'm And hoping. if he's just a bad guy and this turns out to be a bad trade for the Yankees that They'll sucks release but, get rid of them. but at the same time we didn't really give up a ton it's not right. like we gave up our top prospect or or one of our top prospects all of the big guys Judge Severino Bird Sanchez um, uh, Jorge Mateo even Rob Refsnyder are all still on the Yankees so we could take solace in that at least and you know obviously because we're so close to what the the trade you know we're recording this again an hour and a half two hours after the trade went down or the news of the trade went out you know maybe maybe this is something that Cashman already has information on I mean it's very it's very possible that Cashman has has a lot more information than he's oh, he's, he's letting out to. he's yeah, had so to have that, done his homework on this absolutely and Cashman is the type of guy and the Yankees First of all, let's let's get something straight. The Yankees are an extremely proud organization. They they absolutely covet the brand. They know what it means. Um, and it's not like they went out and and you know getting getting a lot of guys that are doing bad things all the time. They they do the brand of the New York Yankees is is important to the owners and the people who work for the Yankees. So, you know uh, maybe maybe Cashman knows. I'm sure Cashman has a lot more information. And you know let's let's just hope it's not as bad as it, it sounded uh, immediately. All right, so we got two Twitter questions, and I'm sure we've gotten more since we've started recording. I just haven't been able to look at them. Um, I'll, uh, maybe I'll try and take a look at that in a second. But the first one uh, comes from 19th Hole Sports, who says, you know my thoughts, it's time to flip Miller and Guardy for a starting pitcher. Um, so obviously this begs the question, we already talked about how Cashman said he's not going to trade Miller. I'll believe that when I see it at the same time. So uh, could the Yankees still try and go out for a starting pitcher? 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, Cashman's saying everything that would would go against doing that because he's saying the rotation is full and he's saying to Miller that he is safe and that's he's going to be part of the bullpen in 2016. But, I mean, he's a general manager and he's going to do what he's going to do. So he's going to be saying these things uh, to these guys because at the moment that is the plan. That's not saying that someone couldn't come over that uh, to the to call you know ring a ding ding to the Brian Cashman's office and say hey. And, and, and just completely blow him away with an offer um, and him and him say, no, I already said this, so I can't do it. That's not going to happen. Uh, Cashman's ears will be open. His, his phone line will be will be open. Uh, you know, he'll be he'll be open for business and, and ready to listen to anything that comes through the door. So, no, I, do I think it's time to flip Miller and Gardy? I'm not going to go out and say that he's he's, you know, just saying these things. But really, he's he's trying to do that. I'm just, I don't think that's the case. I, I do believe that, you know, they're not out actively looking at this point. But again, if somebody comes through with a crazy offer um, and now because we have not gotten rid of any of our top flight minor leaguers and we have two guys that are kind of expendable. I say kind of because, you know, we have guys that could possibly step in um, for, for Miller right now what because of the strength. Well, I mean, the Patantis and the Patantis and uh, and uh, Chapman. I mean, that's oh, it's, yeah. it. They're, they're guys that could absolutely fill in right now if we're talking baseball terms and Chapman's there. Uh, so, yeah, there, there's guys that, that could be moved uh, if, if, if they wanted to, but I don't think that's what they're trying to do. Yeah, and I think Cashman pro- was looking for a starting pitcher on the market this whole offseason. He said that. I just don't think there's many guys out there. Right. So he said, okay, how else can I improve the team if it's not with a starting pitcher? And that's with getting a stud bullpen arm, and that's what he did. All right, uh, another Twitter question comes from Travis20K. Do the Yankees need another righty in the pen to help out Batances? It's a good question because right now Batances is pretty much the only major right-hander out of the bullpen. We already talked about how they're all lefties other than Batances. Right, uh, there are some guys. I mean, I think they think Brian Mitchell is going to be a, an important cog in that bullpen. I think they, they kind of see him as the potential swing guy. I think they see him as a potential Adam Warren replacement. Uh, we know he kind of fell off after the the line drive, uh, but before that, we saw some really good stuff out of him. So, you know, I don't know if it had anything to do with it. If he was just kind of a little gun shy at that point, you know, once that line drive came back, and he just he kind of wasn't the same pitcher after that. So, you know, the time off and and kind of rebooting, going to spring training, could do him a lot of good. But he's definitely got the stuff to do it. I mean, I think he's he's a guy that that absolutely has the capabilities of that. So that's definitely a guy to look at. And then. You know, you know, some of these minor leaguers coming up, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, a couple of these guys kind of kind of emerged as another right hand right hand opportunity, a right hand option out of the bullpen. Yeah, I mean, you look what they did last year with um, Carpenter and all the other guys tried to find a guy at the beginning of the season. They'll probably do the same thing. But uh, Chapman and Miller are both guys I trust facing lefties and righties. So that's not really a concern. That's true, too. Yep. Um, next question comes from Robert Muldoon on Twitter, the Doomer 64. He says, what are the injury concerns with Chapman? Um, it doesn't seem natural for anyone to throw that hard. <laughs> it really doesn't seem natural to throw 105 miles an hour, which he has reached before. Um, I know he's got a really long stride, so the ball gets on you a lot quicker. Um, he uses his lower body a lot in his windup. So it's not like he throws all arm or all or all elbow or has the inverted uh, W like we've seen with like Strasburg and those kind of guys. Does he not have the inverted W? That's no, he, the one, he one does, thing I was going to ask. He about. does not. No, he does not. Yeah, he um, kind of lunges, right? He kind of drives. Like, he's a lot of legs. He's lower yeah. body. If you look yeah. at his windup, you can see he uses his lower body, and that's how you prevent injury. Um, 
power pitchers that use the lower body uh, definitely last longer. And I know he's not a starting pitcher, but he is still a power relief pitcher. Um, the biggest injury he's really had was when he got hit in the face with the line drive back in spring training 2014. And he missed like six weeks because of surgery. But that's not a that's not an arm issue. That's that's a freak injury. Yeah, and this is a guy who's coming in, going to be throwing one inning, and honestly, this is a this is a rental. Uh, you know, I, I would be surprised if they signed him to a long term deal with Batanzas kind of floating in the back. I have a feeling this is a this is a move where apparently Brian Cashman thinks this team, uh, you know, with the with the vets that they have, with the young guys that they have, can really make a move uh, next year. And Cashman is or uh, Chapman is a is a big part of that. You know going for it next year type of mentality. So, well, um, no, I mean, he, he will be up at the end of this year. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, so that's, that's what I'm saying. We're talking about 2016 season. Yes, so yeah. I'm not thinking about injury right now. If it's an injury, you know, it's to me that's more of a long-term thing if, we're, if we had him signed for a contract. Um, but, yeah, he's a, he's a one-year guy. Oh, it's a, definitely a move for today. Um, and I think that makes sense because the division is so up for grabs. It was so wide open last year, and now the Red Sox got better. The Blue Jays got a little bit worse. The the Orioles definitely got worse, and the Rays are sort of still floating out there. So the Yankees could definitely win the division next year and definitely still compete for a wild card. So um, the American League especially is way wide open. I know the Royals are probably the everyone's favorite going into next year just because they won, but it the, the league is anybody's to be had. Well, yeah, and they've lost guys too. I mean, they lost Cueto, they lost Zobris, so they've they've lost players. Uh, one of the one of the big things, you know, you're thinking about how Toronto. You, you just kind of mentioned it, how Toronto got a little bit worse. Well, their pitching staff has not gotten any better. If anything, that pitching staff has gotten worse. Well, it's gotten worse with the loss of David Price. Right. Well, that's a huge loss. I mean, no, they, I, that's I, a, I know. Yeah, that's a that's a massive loss. They have uh, they also lost Burley too, I believe. Right? Didn't Burley yeah. sign? Uh, but that's. With, I wouldn't call that a loss. <laughs> I mean, Burley had a good year last year. He had a sneaky good year. He was one of those guys who the, – the fact of the matter is that they got a lot worse, and the Yankees uh, are now bolstering the back end of their bullpen with studs, and the Toronto Blue Jays' strength is their offense and the big bat. So this is something else to, to kind of counteract what their, what their strength is. So it's another very solid move to, to kind of put their thumb on the Blue Jays a little bit and their offense, uh, at least try to manage it late in the game. Um, which is which is a big deal. Yeah, and I mean, you think about the late inning, um, you know, the late innings for the Yankees last year. Eighth and ninth were locked down. This now locks down seventh, eighth, and ninth. And think about the teams they got to beat next year. The lineups of the Red Sox and the Blue Jays are both nasty. Yes. So this puts so much, this takes so much stress off your starting pitching. You don't have to stretch out your starting pitching. Not that they even really did last year. But you, if your starting pitcher can only go five and two-thirds, Get them out of there. Go to your bullpen because that's your strength. Yeah, and we're going to see how that plays out because that's the strategy now. And and like you kind of mentioned, you, you alluded to this in the past or earlier in the podcast and how Cashman was looking for a starting pitcher. It's not like he didn't see that as a strength, as an opportunity to, to strengthen and to get better for this Yankees team. It's just the, the right guy wasn't available for, for what they were going to offer. And they didn't see like – they obviously didn't see like a guy like Mike Leake or you know a guy like that that's really going to strengthen the team or Wei in Chen or Wei in Chen you know obviously and then giving up the the draft pick they didn't want to do that 
uh, within within the division. Um, obviously, because the Yankees now have kind of a longer term plan and they covet these draft picks. So you know, I think it's it's what Cashman just saw a way to to make this team better uh, and and not and make the pitching staff better collectively. So hey, I. I, as a as a baseball move, I applaud the move. Cashman has shown this offseason that he's looking for opportunities to strike when the market is down. He, we saw it with Castro by going in when they, they needed to get rid of him because of the Zobers trade. And they got him for, in my opinion, pennies on the dollar. And now with Chapman, you know, if we're just talking about baseball, you know, they got they, they stole Chapman as well for, you know, on the field by not giving up some of their, their, their big chips. So, you know, I applaud, I applaud Cashman for what he's doing this year. Um, we ranked the teams in the AL East a couple weeks ago. I believe you still had the Yankees at number one or number two, right? Yes, I did. I did. So obviously you're not going to move them down. So you still think they're number one. I, I had them at number two, I believe. And I think I had the Blue Jays still at number one. This Chapman thing Assuming he's not a jackass and doesn't miss a significant amount of time or doesn't implode because of all the controversy surrounding him, if he's healthy and good and has his head screwed on straight and pitches and, or, and is available for 145 games for them, I think this might put them at the number one spot in the AL East. And you know how cynical I can be. Yes, you are very cynical. Um, yeah, no, I, I, it just it absolutely helps it out big time. I think, you know what the, the great thing about this year for the Yankees is, you know, last year we didn't know we didn't know what to expect out of out of Arod and Teixeira. We had like absolutely zero idea. I feel like maybe our expectations are well, our expectations are definitely higher now, but but I feel like we have a better understanding of what they're going to be and what they can be at the same time we also know what's behind them and that's not something we knew last year we had no idea that greg bird was what he is going to be we we didn't know obviously castro is a a, a, a now certain second base is locked down you know we didn't know what gary sanchez could be and we're seeing him come on so i feel like even if our guys are not at their peak and they're not and they start to fade because of age I, I really feel confident in the fact that we have guys who can step in and play well. So I, I feel like we have the more, more depth than we've had in 10 years. I mean, 10 plus years. So I'm, ex- I'm really excited for this team coming in. And now that the fact that the bullpen is really locked down at the end, uh, you know, my hopes are up. And I hope when you're listening, you're getting pumped up too, because I'm actually getting goosebumps right now just thinking about it. I feel like this team could be, could be very good. And and like you said earlier, the American League East is completely wide open. Oh, yeah. It's anyone's. It's anyone's. Um, you're just talking about depth, and this just popped in my head. I can't believe we didn't mention this earlier. But the fact that they now have essentially three closers means they don't have to burn out Batances and Miller, and especially right. Batances next year. He doesn't have to pitch 90 innings again. So that's huge. He's not going to fade down the stretch like we saw last year because they don't have to use both – they don't have to use all three every night to win a game like we saw last year. So they, right. they, they can get guys rest. They can pick their spots. If there's a couple tough lefties coming up um, you know, in the ninth inning then or in the eighth inning, maybe, maybe Miller and Chapman are the only ones who pitch or vice versa if there's a couple righties. So – I love your newfound confidence in Girardi not <laughs> I know, right? Not, not going and, and throwing Chapman uh, or throwing one of these guys when, on a 10-run game or getting them up when we're up by yeah. seven. Oh, Chapman hasn't had work in three days. The Yankees <laughs> yeah. are winning by 19 runs. we got to get him an inning. Yeah, yeah. So you have a, you have a lot of confidence, and that's going to so, change. <laughs> um, before we got the Chapman news, we were going to do – I wanted to do a New Year's resolution thing, uh, which we can still do right now. 
But my okay. New Year's resolution was going to be that I'm going to try and not get as pissed off at Girardi for his bullpen use next year. Well, this definitely will help, I think, matters. This is, he's definitely got more options to do that. So you might not be yelling at him as It'll much. It'll probably last till like April 10th. Right, right. Um, oh, you know, and look, Lingren is a big piece of this puzzle too because he's a guy that the Yankees have had uh, have been excited for. The Yankee fan base has been excited for. Uh, you know, he went and had that injury, and now he's back. And you know, we're we're gonna we're gonna see hopefully what we thought we were gonna get from him. And that's another guy who's extremely effective. And now you know he's gonna be a sixth inning, seventh inning guy, maybe depending on you know who's available. But he's not gonna be in that eighth inning like we thought he was gonna be. This is a guy now that has all the talent in the world. That's going to be throwing much earlier in the game to get to these three studs. So, so we might go Lindgren to Shreve to Batances to, to Miller to Chapman. That's a nine-inning game. Right. And, I mean, think about the effectiveness of some of the pitchers that we had in the first half of the year before they got completely burnt out because of what happened. Because of, you know, we had a Miller injury. We had just completely overworking because of the, the pitching staff. But this also gives Shreve more bullets coming, you know, in September, in, in August, when he really just completely fell off the earth. And I truly believe it was because he was overworked or maybe not overworked, but it was just he just got as more work than he's ever had in his career and his body just Everyone didn't Everyone was overworked in that bullpen. Yeah. So, you know, this this just adds another arm that is that is strong, that can be counted on, that has been there. And, you know, it's just it's gonna make everybody else, I think, that much more fresh coming into the second half uh, and and make it more effective. So uh, this this really is a big deal as far as we're talking on baseball and the and the bullpen. I mean it affects the starting pitching too. So this is a big deal. So before we get out of here, what's your New Year's resolution? Oh, you're putting me on the spot with this one. Okay, I will try to be. Uh, Maybe well, don't I, send me douchey pictures of you t- uh, uh, wearing a Tom Brady uh, no, P shirt or whatever. No, that'll probably continue. I, I can't get that. That's that's just ingrained in me. That'll happen. Uh, I'm a Jets fan, you know. As <laughs> I'm, you're I'm very, dirty, you're dirty Jets. Fan. I'm a very yeah. I have I have to I have to swing when I have the opportunity. So. Um, New Year's resolution. I, I'm just going to be. Uh, I, I won't get on you for the Avaldi criticisms anymore because here's the deal. I won't be an a, a, an apologist. You won't be an Avaldi apologist. I will not be an apologist because now now we've seen what he can do. He's developed the splitter, uh, so I will be more. Uh, this isn't really a resolution, but I guess I'll be I'll be more critical. I'll be more critical of him. I have higher nice. expectations for him, so I need him to deliver a lot more at this point. And I will I will I will definitely be harder on my boy Evaldi, uh, and, and kind of hold him to the fire a little bit more because I do expect a lot more from him this year. Wow! So next year you guys can look forward to podcasts where I don't complain about Girardi's bullpen use and Scott actually does criticize Nathan Evaldi. Even though I don't think I'm going to have to do that because I'm expecting him to come out and be that number two or three guy. Yeah, 25-game winner, right? Yeah, uh, he's going to be a 20-game winner. Let's do that. 20-game winner. No, are you, how confident are you? I'm confident. He's 75%. Okay. 75% confident. Yeah, I'm confident. I got, I got confidence. Let's go. Let's go all in. All right. Well, uh, happy new year to everybody out there. The next time we do a podcast, um, I think we're going to have one of the guys, uh, Justin from our website, who I do not believe has been on yet. He actually just won our website fantasy football league. So I think he'll come on and uh, gloat about that. So he'll be on next week. Um, the first podcast, uh, of next year will be, uh, you know, first podcast of 2016 will be next week. 
So definitely looking forward to that. And we're going to take you out with the sweet sounds of Chapman striking people out. We'll talk to you guys next time. Just get loose. Fourth All-Star game for Chapman. Flashball popping around the park. Chapman's done it 284 times, a pitch over 100 or plus. The rest of the league, 238 times. That's this season. This season. And if he's in play, Tom Pavucci at the <laughs> trading deadline. Line him up. Line him up. A strikeout to start tonight. Here is Mike Moustakis batting for Manny Machado. What a job done by Ned Yost. I'm going to tell you what's cool, too. And look at them all looking at Chapman like, are you kidding me? They're looking at basically saying, good luck, Moose. You're looking at former Major League players who are managers and coaches and guys playing in an all-star game sitting there going, are you kidding me? The American League guys don't see Chapman like the National League guys get to see him. Look at them. Goodbye. Two out as Moustakis in his first all-star game at back strikes out. Look at these reactions. That was 1-0-3. But until you see it in person, it's hard to fathom. A big league. Hitters and pitchers can't believe what they're seeing. I'm sorry. It's impressive. You saw Grandal difficulty catching that pitch. That's eight out of the nine over 100 miles per hour in triple digits. And now, all this exit velocity we talked about with hitters, you got to think, man, if I could just catch up to one of those 103 or 102, I'll set a record. It skips in, and Grandal probably thinking, get me out of here. <laughs> no, down. Throw this one, Joe. One oh four. One oh two. And he struck outside. And Jashari just had a look on his face like that was a little harder than I'm used to in the big league. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.